Hey, how's it going? I'm Aiden Hall. And I'm Jake Doolin. And you're listening to Bite. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another wonderful episode of Input 2, Byte's premier TV and movie podcast, hosted by myself, Aiden Hall, and my wonderful co-host, the great... Jake Doolin. Hello, how are you? I'm doing all right. How was your break, Jake? It was quite nice. I got to catch up on a lot of TV and movies. Hey, our our bread bread and butter. butter, Yeah. Uh, So, you know, it was a relatively warm winter, but I think Mm -hmm. you and I really stayed in for break. And there was a good reason. There was yeah. a wonderful new show on Netflix that has just taken everyone by storm. Uh, yeah. Making a Murderer. It's pretty much this, I guess, this year or like the end of the year serial, pretty much. It it's really as is as popular serial. as that is now. And even though it's over, it's still talked about almost every day. I mean, there was a change sites. petition. There is, you know, updates daily on the AV Club. There's all these things still going on. So it's it's got legs and deservedly so. Yeah. I really did. I, uh, You know me. I enjoy crime shows. I really enjoy, like, true crime murder stuff. I remember we talked about uh, Jinx last year mm-hmm. and then the Serial Podcast as well. Yeah. And this was just right up my alley. Um, now, for those that don't know about it, could you give us a quick synopsis? So the basic plot of uh, Making a Murder was um, sometime in the early 80s, a man named Stephen Avery was convicted of a crime that he later, 18 years later would be acquitted for because he didn't do it. They found evidence that proved he didn't do it, and he maintained his innocence the entire time. So after he is exonerated of this crime, he gets let out and plans to sue the city for their faulty police work in um, you know, capturing him. And before this, this lawsuit can go through, he is accused and later is convicted of a murder that happens on his property. And the documentary, I don't think it's unfair to say, is very much in his favor. Oh, yeah. Um, in the fact that he did not do it, and the police framed him. And and, I mean, when you're following his family for, what, 10 years? You can't mm-hmm. hope but not get involved. Yeah. So it just shows the the main crux of the show is the trial uh, for Stephen Avery and his nephew, uh, Brandon Dassey, mm-hmm. who was also convicted of the crime and... um. You know, it's not a fun show to watch. It's definitely like a slog. It feels long. It's hefty. It's not something you could just. I thought at first I was like, oh, I'm gonna marathon this like I do every other Netflix thing. No, it's you have to break it up. You gotta break it up a little bit because I mean, it's if you've ever watched court TV or something like that, it's that. It's in the courtroom, cross examinations, gathering evidence. Now, they do make it somewhat entertaining. Yeah, I don't want to undersell it. I'm just saying, like, in general, I know my mother was not a fan of it because she did not expect it to be like... You know, that's exactly the same. My mom couldn't stand it either because mm-hmm. she thought it was just going to be this real drama and it was court cases. Yeah, but if you find that, that kind of stuff interesting like I do and I know a lot of other people do, then this is definitely, like, a show right up your alley. Um, lots of very interesting... It makes you think. It's definitely not clear-cut, even though it is very much in his favor. It's not so much... I wouldn't say bias at any no. point. It's it's very fair and they know. show both sides or how much of the sides that they can show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lots of very interesting characters, even though they are real people. Um, certain prosecutors, Kin Katz is one who 
Um, he became notorious a, yeah. in a week. Yeah, and he he's a scumbag. <laughs> he and, is. Yeah, I mean, very much so. Um, even uh, some of the lawyers, you question how they can continue being, you know, law professionals the way they acted. And Although the defense attorneys, they yeah, were the actually pretty attorneys are uh, heartthrobs on the internet right now. Actually, <laughs> um, there's quite a lot of people who love them, and uh, you know, for good reason. Defense yeah. attorneys never get get the praise they deserve. Um, but I, I was, I was, I, I really enjoyed this. I thought if if we were to talk, I know we talked about our favorite TV shows before we left. This definitely would have been on there, just because it was so like. It was made for me, pretty much. And it was right out, I mean, it was out of the blue. No one knew it was coming. Yeah. No one knew anything about it. I felt like they just shoved it in the end of the year, because December is not a time you put things out. No. It, unless it's movies, because people will go see movies and stuff, but like TV shows, everything, there's nothing out right now. Um, yeah, there's nothing out right now. I mean, they dumped six Netflix shows in December, mm-hmm. and five of those no one cared about, and the sixth one's making a murderer. Yep. And it's... Yeah. I don't know. And, I mean, I made the mistake of binge-watching it, and I just felt horrible going through Making a Murder. I will mm-hmm. say, it did paint a really interesting picture about, and we were talking about this, local journalism. Yeah. And where they just turned this into, like, oh, man, this guy might be going to prison for life. What a story. There's a moment in, like, the second-to-last episode after mm-hmm. one of the one of the people is convicted. Um, I guess it's not a spoiler. It's, it's a real-life event you can... If you read the wiki, you know what happens. You know what happens. So the the nephew who is um who has an IQ of about under seventy. That was the other. They're not bright people. No, they're not. No, that's not a bad thing. No, and it's that that's the thing though. The police took advantage of that fact, Mm -hmm. and he's convicted of the crime that more than likely I feel the strongest that he did not do anything. No, he was uh, convinced. Um, but after he is uh, convicted, the the journalism people run outside to interview his mother who just obviously wants to go had, home. just wants to go home and is obviously very distraught and she ends up fighting someone in the street and they were standing uh, in the street they wouldn't let her drive away and it's just like it's it's a pretty brutal picture of 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 small town journalism but it's one that like you know that's what the people want so that's what that's what what happens and it's you know, I almost said character a few minutes ago, and you kind of forget that these are real people that it happened to, and it's just it makes it all the sadder. There's that one part at the last episode where the defense attorney's like, "I kind of wish they did do it," yeah, because I can't handle the fact that uh, two people are sitting in jail, innocent right now for, for something the rest they of did. their lives. Yeah, for the rest of their life. Now that um, Stephen Avery is defending himself. I don't think he's ever going to get out of jail. Well, they did uh, reveal that he is going to have like an appeals team that's going to at least try to help him. Even then. But they went all the way to the Supreme Court. Yeah, and the Supreme Court turned him down. And there's not much more you can do unless new evidence pops up. Yeah, and anytime someone defends themselves, I was listening to an interesting NPR thing. The the only people who defend themselves are people who want to be declared criminally insane. Because if you defend yourself, you can... The the example they had on NPR was a man who was you know uh, convict or being tried for his father's murder and he just would scream about how to make barbecue and all this other stuff and it's just like you know if you want to be declared insane you defend yourself so no one really takes that seriously sadly I mean I mean a prisoner doesn't have the law experience they just no they don't, don't. no and especially they, not Stephen Avery who no. they you know. They're not, yeah, as you said, they're not bright people, and they no. make that a, a point in the show that, like, these people, you know, they're from 
a small town with poor education. They run a junkyard. They run a junkyard. They, you know, basically live in houses they built themselves. They're, you know, they're not the, the, in any town, small town, everyone knows this, you have like a certain side of that town. You just don't go to. You just don't go to. And it's not, and it's, you know, wrong to judge people. Because, I mean, the family was very nice. The mom and dad were exceptional people, I thought. Um, I felt so bad for them because they kept trying and mm -hmm. trying and trying. Yeah. And that's pretty much where these people are. And it's just an interesting, it's a good example of like class, like. Classism. Yeah. How that works out. Just because, you know, the people who, the first time the person who um, he was accused of raping was this, this prominent person in the community who, you know, was. Her husband ran like a sweet shop and he donated Mm -hmm. to the community all the time. Mm -hmm. And. I would just recommend it. Yeah, um, it was a good, it was a good break show. Good for this type of weather too. Oh yeah, perfect good, for when, it. Co- any cold weather is really good for crime stuff. It just chills your bones. Oh yeah, yeah. You don't feel warm watching this mm, at all. No, not at all. But, but we did also watch um, some happy things, didn't we? Yes, we did. Yes. Uh, finally, coming off of its hiatus last week, we had the Stephen Bomb, which oh, was. Yes. Probably one of the most anticipated and most beloved of the bombs, mm-hmm. other than Jailbreak. Jailbreak was still other than the jail. Like I, I was telling you, this was probably my favorite one uh, besides Jailbreak because it felt the most consistent. Yeah, other- and it had a solid narrative to, mm-hmm. from beginning to end. Even like the ones that you could call like offshoot episodes, like the first one with yeah. Garnet's backstory, were just like nice little vignettes about a character that. We just don't. I mean, we know a lot about now, and it was nice to know her backstory a little bit. Um, although I did think that was the weakest one of of them because I don't think Ruby and Sapphire are that interesting. Like, and I mean, you only can you can only do so much with them for in eleven minutes. They're they're fun characters, but they're Garnet's just the one, she's the one we got used yeah. to. Well, she's the one who's more interesting. They're more interesting together as Garnet than they are as separate people. And I mean, I think that's intentional because yeah. you know it's supposed to like love. And stuff. Relationship. So, yeah. But no, this was like the most consistent, and I was glad that Peridot became full Vegeta. I'm glad that she's a full member of the Crystal Gems now. It's really kind of funny how it was like a direct parallel to Vegeta. And it's like, where's your uh, Jasper? Nappa's dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, okay. Yellow Diamond's very much Frieza. Exactly. And uh, I know a lot of people were bashing on Yellow Diamond for the... Uh, the neck thing. The neck thing, and... To me, it was a little bit of a disappointment after seeing Blue Diamond. Blue Diamond has a much more interesting design. Oh, yeah. I feel like I would have liked the diamonds more if they remained, like, mysterious looking like Blue Diamond did. But Yellow Diamond to me was just funny look. I mean, like, I liked funny her enough. side profile, but mm-hmm. then when they showed her full face and, like, the four chins she got in rage, mm-hmm. it was just I, a bit much. I liked the small little glimpses of what other pearls are like. Mm-hmm. Um, that was very funny to me. The fact that there's, like, different colored pearls. For different colored diamonds. Mm-hmm. I liked Yellow Pearl more than I liked Blue Pearl, honestly. Oh, yeah. I, I like Yellow Pearl more, but I like Blue Diamond more. Yeah. So I hope that we get to see more of Homeworld. Homeworld has been interesting more. In the past, I was like, I'm not that interested in where they, they came from. I mean, it's, it's it probably is like interesting like design stuff, but I'm not that. But now I'm like, and It's know, been presented differently, mm-hmm. you know, every time we've seen it. I like the moon base stuff too. Like that was, yeah. that was so weird and like interesting to me. There was that one segment on that episode where they go past that room and Steven's like, what's this for? And they're like, what's not what we're here for? And they walk past it and I was like, are they going to come back to this? And they never did, and I kind of like that because it was just like a weird little 
It probably was something bad. Might have been a weapon or something. Yeah, it might have been a weapon or something. But um, I'm I'm uh, I like where Peridot's character is now. I really like all the references that they've been sort of sneaking in with like uh, the first episode, all the cutouts and everything. That was very Utena, and then they had the dancing and the fusions and everything. Mm-hmm. So you can definitely see a lot of the inspiration they got, especially, I mean, Blue Diamond's design is just, oh. Mm-hmm. I love the drape and, like, her hood. Yeah. And have you been keeping up with the, 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 the theory about the other diamonds? No, I haven't. The, the, the big thing right now I'm hearing online is um, when they're on the moon base, they only see, like, two or three diamonds, mm-hmm. and there should be, like, four or five. And one of the diamonds is supposed to be red diamond or pink diamond. Which is rose quartz. Which is supposedly supposed to be rose quartz. Yeah, I heard that one. Change diamond. Which, I, I, you know, that would be kind of cool. I I would like to know. That's another character I don't know if I care that much about. Like, rose? I don't know. I like how they're kind of doing rose. Because, like, when I was watching the episode, I was like, you know, she seems all nice. Mm -hmm. But she is a warrior. Like, she is a general. Mm -hmm. I, I just, I like that kind of. I want more with her because the episodes we've had of her are just romance. Are just romance. I want more of like what Rose is like because the small glimpses you get, it's it's just like a big Steven, and I like yeah. that. I like seeing that, and you get to see where Steven came from. I did like that Steven was the only one who really defended Peridot when he was talking bad about Rose Quartz and how much she failed mm-hmm. Earth and stuff. Like you know, that could have been very easily like. Steven flips out or like you know that's, that's my his mom. mom yeah but it's true to his character and it's true to how smart they are that they didn't just have that happen and even like the next episode where Steven doesn't trust Peridot but he has good reason to because he saw her steal something mm-hmm. uh, you get that even then Steven's heart's in the right place and that was like my favorite one was uh, when Peridot calls Yellow Diamond a clod and, uh, <laughs> and then the neck mm-hmm <laughs> I liked it so much, and they've been doing so many interesting things with Peridot's like design. It just—I know this isn't like a good comparison for some people, but it just reminds me of Invader Zim, and I—I I, to me that's like my favorite thing. She's just like a little Zim, you know. I—I I remember watching the video where it's like, uh, this is basically what happened. It's just Zim talking to the High Masters about catching that human, mm-hmm. and it's Peridot. Uh, there was a good um thing I saw with uh, the fact that the the diamonds are so huge mm-hmm. and it was uh, that clip from Invader Zim where um, Dib is like your leaders are just taller than you <laughs> <laughs> which is really like all I've I, that's I have, all we know yeah I, mean. I have no idea of, of what a diamond can do I'm interested maybe that'll be like the next bomb is hopefully we get to see some diamond action about like what they do because I, we've been told oh they're these you know magnificent beings they rule over well if that's gyms. all just for show yeah what do they do exactly are they are Jaspers like more powerful than the diamonds? I don't know what happened to Jasper. And I didn't we see like leaked promo of Lapis? I believe that might have been fake. Oh, that was supposed to be for this bomb, and that never happened. So I okay. think that might have been a, a forgery. But I don't know. I'm not. I don't want to comment on that because I don't remember if it's like true or not. But if it is, that'd be kind of silly of them to put that in a promo. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't put it past them. Sometimes that happens. But I will say the weakest episode of the bomb for me was the birthday, only because I didn't really. Yeah. I it was just we had seen this before when he you know he wanted to get older and he got super old, super baby, mm-hmm. back to normal. And this one we got he stretches out, turns to baby, goes back to normal. I liked it only for that one segment where Garnet 
attempted to cheer up baby Steven and said, my powers are no use on babies or oh, something yeah. like that. That was hilarious to me. I I had to pause it. I was laughing so hard because Garnet is never like super funny or at least like outwardly funny, but that was just like she has her funniest, moments. Yeah, funniest things I've heard her say. But it was it was really good. And um, and apparently this this bomb format is is it's what sticking. it's sticking. Um, Adventure Time right it, now is right going now is one. going through a bomb, and then we have Clarence, I believe, next week mm-hmm. or coming up, and then Steven Universe. One of the writers uh, was talking on Twitter about the fact that that Cartoon Network is really pushing these bomb uh, kind of release formats. So. I mean, it kind of works. I mean, they're essentially mini arcs. It's, you know, what show would have benefited from this? Gravity Falls. Yeah, definitely. Because what was nice about the way Gravity Falls aired was that each one felt like an event. Like Gravity Falls is back. You know, it'd be like yeah. months before you heard it was coming back. And yeah, then you got Summerween, back. and then you had to wait six months. Mm-hmm. It felt like an event. And so far, every Steven Bomb has felt like an event. But I haven't had to wait that long. And they for marketed a it as an event. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, Gravity Falls was just like, oh, yeah, it's coming out next week. And the fans were like, oh, this is like an event. But Cartoon Network, to their credit, treats it like that. Yeah. And, you know, really hypes it up. And, you know, they don't make people wait six months or anything like that. So I I, I like the bomb format. I know it. they said it, it goes into their backlog of episodes. But, you know, I'd rather have five great episodes in a row than, you know, waiting every week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know, I'm happy to see Clarence is coming back. Yeah, Clarence. I've missed it. I'm excited to see what a Clarence bomb is. I am I remember how excited you were or how much you liked the last Clarence bomb. The last Clarence bomb weird. was really good. Well, yeah. they had brought on several different animators. Mm-hmm. I think that was their, um, sort of like what Adventure Time does where they bring in guest animators. Because that's what Adventure Time's doing this week is they're doing the stop motion Adventure Time episode. That's the only one I really had any interest in. And, um... Last night was the episode with Weird Al, and I didn't much care for that. Oh, Banana one. Man came back? Yeah, Banana Man came back, um, and he was probably the best part of the episode. Because, of, of course, Weird, he is. Weird Al does great voice work. But, yeah, it was one of those, like, Adventure Time goes back to being a kid show, like, for littler kids, I thought. Oh. And it's like, okay, this isn't for me. So I'm not going to, like, rag on it too much, but it was like. Just not for you? Not for me, nope. I can respect that. Nope. But, uh. Something that we didn't finish uh, last season. Yeah, um, we it were finished one episode away. One away. Fargo season two. Yep. Finally concluded. Yep. And I actually watched that one live. I, I mean, I did not watch it live. I watched it the next day because I don't have cable. Um, it, it was an adventure. It was an adventure. I, I don't think you liked it as much as I did. I didn't. I was personally. I thought the ending was disappointingly weak compared to the rest of the show. I thought it capped it off better than the last season did. Last season, the ending was where uh, Colin Hanks' character, who was not even like... He was a mailman. He was a mailman, but he wasn't supposed to kill uh, Billy Bob Thornton's Thornton's character. It was supposed to be the female sheriff. That's the way the season set it up. Right. And then when that happened, I was like, that was the disappointing thing for me. I was like, you set up this like confrontation of good and evil, and you just have them sneak up and shoot them. This one was more thoughtful, I thought. It did have some weaker moments, I will say. like, um, I felt like some of the connections to the first season were a little like A little much. Forced. Handy is still one of my favorite characters, but the fact that 
they he's end, that fat guy. Yeah, they they end the season with him getting a face like transplant or something, mm-hmm. whole new life. And he just so happens to find the two hitmen from the first season playing catch, signing to yeah. each other. That was a little too much. Like you, you don't have to reference the first. I kind of wish you didn't because. You know, I realized I did like the opening where they referenced like the future where the mom is dead and, and the the characters from the first season are eating dinner with because the older. that's the connection. Yeah, I like that. But when you, it felt kind of forced in the fact that like this character who really was defined by the fact that he was a Native American would sacrifice all that to get like a face transplant and run his own empire when that really was never like his objective. Objective. But I did like Kirsten Dunst finally like did it for me. I really think yeah. that she did a great job this season. I was so she, happy with the butcher. She deserves all the praise she's been getting for it because at first I was like, you know, Kirsten Dunst has never been that great of an actress to me. No, but she really killed it. Um, her scene with um, and I'm forgetting his name, the sheriff, the or? sheriff in the car when oh, she's yeah. talking about like all the things she's going through. Can was I go really to California? Good. Yeah. Um, and I like Ted Danson's speech at the end about trying to create a universal language. Okay, but that was – I felt like that was a cop-out. Um, I felt like the cop-out part was maybe when he said, let's not write about the aliens. Yeah. But the the talking about a universal language was interesting to me and, like, weird enough to where I liked it a lot because, like, I thought back to all the things in the season where – Someone could have just said something differently, and if they understood it better, that wouldn't have ended a certain way. And if that was the message they were going for, you know, good on them. I don't think you had to put aliens in it to make it work. But, but when you put aliens in it at a pivotal moment in the show, yeah. and then you just write it off, that's. I feel like the aliens could have left and it would have been better. But with them in there, I don't think it was ruined it was just a little weirder and maybe that weirdness trying to be weird is never like a good thing unless you're david lynch or somebody so i'm gonna have to like rewatch and see how how much my enjoyment is based on that but i still think it was better than the first season and i love the first season i love this one I will say I really enjoyed the end where uh, what's his face gets the job at Fargo. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, where he gets brought in. Mike McMillan, yep, yep, gets the little desk job. That was a good Coen Brothers type. You know, the bad guy may have gotten away, but he he got screwed. Um, type of of justice, and I like that. And you know, get a suit, get some ties. Mm-hmm. None of this. But no, I I I did enjoy it. Um. I'm looking forward to what they're going to do next year with 2008 uh, being the timeline. Um, oh, yeah. It's more recent, yeah, relatively. It will be 2008. So, And there won't be too many characters from the no. first, if any. Yeah. And if if this is a sign of like the quality, I know it's probably going to go up again because it's, it's so good. Noah Hartley is so much better a writer, and he knows how to collaborate with people better mm-hmm. than um, – Nick Palazzo on True Detective. Oh, good. Um, then, because I mean, like, I like this this format of like a different story every year, but it can it can be bad or good depending on the writer. And with you know a good writer like like him, 
I, I don't see it going bad. I'm, I have a lot of hope for it. I'm really interested to see what actors get tied on to oh, it because yeah. this one was huge. It they, had all kinds of actors. They pull in some pretty pretty excellent actors and like give them some really cool stuff to do. I mean, so. Even Nick Offerman's character, who I didn't think was going to show up a lot, had some solid moments when mm-hmm. he was in it. He showed he can do like some serious stuff and still be really good. And funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you want to talk about what some smaller things that we watched over break since we – we ended up watching a lot of stuff. Oh yeah, sure, we could do that. Uh, um, you can go. I know you watched one of the this Netflix show that I couldn't even make it through an episode of. Oh, F is for family. Mm-hmm. F is for something mm-hmm. else with that show. Uh, it, it's a show where the dad is this, you know, nineteen seventies, eighties. He works at a small airport. You know, he's Bill a, Burr is like the yeah. Creator. Bill Burr voices yeah. him. And I it's I think it's relatively based off of his own dad and family, yeah. but I I honestly couldn't see Bill Burr being any of these characters, and but I hate Bill Burr anyway, and it's just this you know it's supposed to be BoJack Horseman where this guy's you know completely desensitized you know he was drafted he comes back from the war he's working at an airport he has three kids he hates but he loves because of course he does mm-hmm. and it was just. The one part that made me know I just was not going to enjoy it is that they had a German neighbor, and they kept calling him the Nazi. And I thought, okay, it could either be an actual Nazi or just someone that they don't know. Sure enough, it's this super nice guy who they accidentally grab his sleeve, and it shows a number. They're like, that's the number of people he's killed. You're like, this is a Holocaust Mm. survivor that they're making a joke out of. Mm -hmm. And then like at the end of the season, which is only six episodes, they're like, Oh, no, you see that star in his car, which was the Star of David, because, mm-hmm. of course, it was. That means he's a Satanist. Like, mm. why? Mm. Why would you throw those jokes in? And it had Sam Rockwell as, like, the guy that has everything that the main character doesn't. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, oh, oh, man, these these elves are running around riding reindeer on my Christmas episode. Oh, shenanigans. It was just, it was bad. I they, I could tell by the animation style that I wasn't gonna like it. Honestly, I felt like, the best part of it is the opening sequence. Yeah, yeah, but even then, like I'm just, I got so bored with it. Like the first episode, I don't know how you made it through six because I had nothing better to watch. It was just like you know, this story could have been told better. I don't like Bill Burr that much either, but I was like, you know what? Maybe I don't like his comedy, but maybe he's a better writer. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't that good, and even like voice acting wise, I he didn't really try that hard to make characters. It was just no. like mainly speaking in different tones. I mean, it honestly felt like I was watching Alan Gregory all over again. You could. This is a good example of someone wants to know why voice acting is important or why like good voice acting is so hard to find sometimes because it's just like when you don't care, people know. I mean, they did have good talent on. Like, Kevin Michael Richardson was on for some side characters, and of course, his are good. They had David uh, Krochner, the bald guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was on there. He played one character, but that one character was good. Honestly, they had a guy who played Harvey Birdman, attorney at law. Uh, He also played the boss on Office Space. I forget his name right now. Yeah, I don't remember his name. But he was on as the boss. Worst performance he has ever given in anything I've ever heard him on. Mm-hmm. And I've heard him on Family Guy as the principal. I mean, it was just horrendous. Mm. That's but, yeah. That to me felt like shovelware that Netflix it was. was putting out. Like uh I, I It even, was like the Lily Hammer of this year. Mm-hmm. It was definitely something that was just like, 
there you go. Enjoy. You know, it's out there now. Here's our new animated project. Enjoy yeah. Dino Trucks. It's probably better. Yeah. And, like, you know, with the fact that they're going to push out, like, how many more series this year? Didn't they say something like upwards of 300 or 200 yeah, series like this year? I mean, if if this that is... That being said, some of those are, like, they had two anime come out that were, you know, voiced by Netflix team. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, these aren't stuff that are just being made by Netflix. They're just buying the U.S. broadcasting yeah. rights. Um, but the, the original shows, yeah. if this is the type of stuff that we're getting, I mean... Every so often you'll get a BoJack or an Orange is the New Black or, you know. House of Cards. House of Cards. I wasn't going to say like, quality-wise House of Cards, but, like, the popularity the of something like House good. of Cards. Um, I'm not excited for the fourth uh, season at all. Um, but I hope that they, because they, they, now that they, they have people, like, strictly watching Netflix, mm-hmm. they really should take better care of their programming because Hulu kicks their butt when it comes to programming. And they that, do. One show I, uh, ended up watching uh, on Hulu was called Rev. It's about a preacher, um, and it was really, really good. It was only three seasons. It's a BBC-type show. Ah. Um, It was on Hulu. I think the third season was exclusively Hulu. I think the first two ran on BBC, but it was really good. That's Um, good. Was there anyone big in it, or was it? No, not anyone too big, um, unless you know a lot of British actors, and I'm I'm not well-versed in the, the BBC world. Um, but really, really good writing. Funny, but also pretty poignant at certain parts. Um, good exploration of a lot of different themes. Um, and Hulu shows, I just think, look nicer. And Netflix kind of has gotten, like, some of their shows, I not Orange is the New Black, not their high-profile no. stuff, but I'm talking, like, you know, I sat down and I watched Richie Rich. I remember you. that we watched it. And, like, <laughs> that looks worse than a Nickelodeon or a Disney show, even. It does. That a looks like hamstring a hamstring budget. A hamstring budget. And, like, okay, people are going to start noticing this, Netflix. you got to, like, actually put some money. Because Netflix, we can talk about this when we get into movies, but Netflix is never has never released their numbers. No one knows how many people have Netflix Mm-mm. or how many people watch certain shows. Or anything like Netflix just told everybody last week that the the ridiculous six um, is their most watched movie of all time. But what what does that mean? You know, I can tell you it wasn't good. Yeah, yeah, I can tell you it wasn't good either. But what is that? No one knows how many. You know, yeah, it could have been like given one point five million, which yeah, is nobody, which is nobody. So I I with more people watching, I hope more people like pay attention to Netflix and like critique them a little bit. I mean, I will say, you know, they're acquired properties like uh, Daredevil, Jessica Jones. Those are good shows. I, I mean, feel like that's Disney, though. Yeah. Making a, yeah. Not Netflix. That's like Disney protecting their brand. Like, I mean, I like Jessica Jones. I did. Yeah. I watched that over break, too. Um, I rewatched uh, all of Venture Brothers. Getting ah, ready. Getting ready. Well, originally I thought, oh, I have till February to do this. I have, you know, time and about... Halfway through, when I got to season five, I find out that, no, they moved the the start date up to January 31st. And I was like, well, shoot. Well, at least I got most of it done now. And um, Granted, you and I have seen it so many times yeah. we can practically recite it. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of gotten sad to the point about how well I can recite certain things or how well I know certain episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I will say one of the highlights for me was watching Spanakopita again. And hey, Spanakopita! The L. Ron Hubbard fight. Oh, um, yeah. The thing that got me was uh, when Action Man is getting zapped with engrams, which are a Scientologist, like... They're the evil yeah, things that monitor your... Yeah. Uh, it's little things like that that make me love Venture Brothers so much. And I don't know about... This is kind of like off-subject, but have you seen the um, YouTube video that um, Adult Swim has put up called the like explainer of episode season five because they put an explainer episode uh venture uh, brothers video. season four wasn't it one through four yeah but then they came out with one last week pretty much the same thing gary is just telling yeah. everything that happened in season five but kind of a spoiler i i don't know if this was confirmed or not but i guess now that that um david bowie has passed they kind of have to go this route like they confirm in that video that sovereign's um, dead sovereign's dead they confirm that because w- I think when we were first watching uh, Gargantua two, when um, what's his name? I think I have the sniper. Oh, uh, trigger shot. Trigger shot shoots a bird out of the air. Or really, yeah. logic says like no one really dies unless you see them like mm-hmm. buried and dead. Like y- no one really is fully dead. Like comic book, comic book rules. Unless there. you see him die, they're yeah. not dead. But this was confirmed. Like yeah, he died. So I guess they have to do that because you know. There's no way the Sovereign can come It would back. just be in bad taste to keep yeah. Bowie come in. Mm-hmm. Although it would kind of... They did reveal that it wasn't Bowie, though. They did reveal it wasn't Bowie, so, I mean, he could come back as Bowie. Um, But I watched that, and I was like, wow. You forget how much information and is in per season. And it's so subtle, too. Mm-hmm. You have to really pay attention, and I respect that. And I... How many episodes are we getting? Eight? Eight or nine. Eight or nine. I think Gargantua 2 is included in season six, so that would be about an... If we're getting eight premieres, then it'll be nine episodes, including Gargantua 2. Okay, so eight episodes airing over the next bit of time. Okay. Or it could all come out on the 31st. It, or it could all come out on the first or 31st. We don't know. Um, I'm still waiting to hear about from Adult Swim about that. And then um, on the 25th, we've got American Dad. Yes, we do. And I am excited about American Dad. I totally spaced that it was even coming back. I thought it was coming back in February. A lot of good cartoons coming out. Winter is, I guess, the good time for that, to, to catch up on your cartoons. And in February, Gravity Falls is over. Yep. And then yep. we can focus all of our time on Venture Brothers again. Yeah, we can focus all of our time on Venture Brothers. Yes. That's pretty much my life. I will say, Mike Tyson Mysteries has gotten significantly better this season. I enjoy it wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. It's probably because, um, what's his name? The guy who plays the colonel. Norm MacDonald. Norm MacDonald is such a good... I love him. Norm MacDonald is great. is one of my favorite comedians, favorite comedic actors. His mm-hmm. only dark side is he's been on Adam Sandler movies. Other than that, I just remember what else I watched. Real Rob, or Really Rob, the Rob Schneider oh, sitcom. Oh, Rob, the on Rob it. with like the exclamation point. In the, yeah. Yep. It was absolutely horrendous, but Norm MacDonald was on it, and it was just Rob Schneider literally being Rob Schneider with his wife, and the first day it was like he run o- runs over somebody, and the cops stop him, and was like, hey, it's Rob Schneider, are you okay? And I'm like, A, who would even know Rob Schneider, and B, why would they ever care that it was Rob Schneider? Yeah, the only reason you know Rob Schneider is if you, I've guessed watched Deuce Bigelow on TLC. Or The Animal or, or something. Or Animal or something. But, yeah, that's kind of shameful. Yeah, no, it was just... And, I mean, I remember the sitcom, Rob, mm-hmm. that lasted maybe, like, six episodes, and this was just... It was bad. Oh, yeah. And he had his wife on it, too. But, uh, you know, now that we're talking about really Rob, I think we need a palate cleanser, so let's go ahead and switch the disc. Uh, movies, yes. our other 
Now yes. there were a lot of really great movies that came out over the winter. Uh, sadly, I only went to see one, but I saw it about five times. Mm-hmm. Um, Star Wars. Star Wars Force Awakens. Yes. How did you like the currently highest grossing movie of all time? I ended up liking it more than I thought I would. You know, and if you've ever listened to Input 2, you know I don't really like Star Wars. No, you're not a Star and Wars guy. And when I went to see it, the only thing that re- – I'll get the things that like really bugged me first. The thing that bugged me first was fans need to shut up at movies – Please, when you scream every time a old character came on screen, I couldn't hear what they were saying, <laughs> and it ruined my experience. Some because like, okay, cool, you know, do that the first time Han Solo shows up, whatever. Do it the first time Princess Leia shows up, but every time they did, they do it when mouth, Luke showed up at the end. Yeah, oh, oh. you know they did, and, I, and that, and you know what that. That moment was pretty much made for people freaking out, like whatever. Like you didn't miss anything because you didn't say but anything. But Han Solo, I mean, he just shows up, and you know, the first time he shows up, yeah, he has that line about "Oh, we're back home." Like, yeah, that's a moment where you, yeah, But every time, every time they came on screen, they were just screaming. And the other thing that kind of annoyed me was the character I was most interested in, Captain Phasma, had like two <laughs> lines and like was disposed of. Or at least I hope. literally, yeah. Literally. I mean, she will be back. They confirmed that she will be coming back in later movies. Um, but but I I liked it a lot, and you know the thing that I liked the most um, was Kylo Ren. He's he's a good character. He's the ultimate whiny teenage punk kid who you know is rebelling against his parents, doing dark things, and I like him so much. I mean, he he looks the role. He mm-hmm. looks the party. Really Adam does. Driver did a great job and I don't know how he got on girls but I know he's not coming back now because yeah, yeah he's got that Kylo Ren money yeah he's got Kylo Ren money and Kylo Ren stardom uh, he's going to be in a lot of things from now on oh yeah and he deserves it he did a great job he's you know the right kind of like I, I wish that he played Anakin if that makes sense no I could definitely see him being Where a really good Anakin Anakin you know, in the prequels, going through those those changes of you know from, although they didn't show this very well, like a kid to like a idealized Jedi to like the dark side, he looks like he could play that better than Hayden Christensen ever could. Yeah, granted, we don't know because you know Hayden Christensen's a fine actor. It was just the writing of the yeah, film. Yeah, I kind of I feel like he might have elevated it though because I feel yeah. like Kylo Ren might have been he would have brought more to the table. Yeah, but. I liked all the characters. I really like the new characters. I think that's one of the best things I can say. I'd like to see more movies about them. I, I would honestly like to see less of the old characters. I would too. I, you know, Carrie Fisher it was probably the best. I, I know a lot of people like Han Solo, but I like Carrie Fisher because not only is she like a good actor, but she's also like a crazy person in real life. <laughs> and, you know, giving her a role lets me see her more. And I enjoy seeing Carrie Fisher more. Um, screaming on Twitter or, uh, you know, bringing her dog everywhere yep. it, to red carpet premieres. It's just hilarious. She's a really nice lady, too. And she did a good job. I thought she did the best like, yeah. acting of all the old characters. I mean, uh, Harrison Ford just felt like he didn't want to even be there. Yeah. And I was like, well, if you don't want to be here, go home. Yeah. I knew he was he was going out Yeah, the moment he walked on that catwalk. Um, good death scene, though. It was a really great contrast. I mean, mm-hmm. you could tell that, you know, okay, that's Ben dying. You mm-hmm. know, they had the Star Destroyer in the opening scene. Mm-hmm. It was a good death scene in that, like, 
I knew it was coming, but like it still felt like impactful. it was still a shock. Again, that's credit to Harrison Ford and Adam Driver both being really good actors. I think that's one really good thing about this this like new trilogy is that they have really good actors. Mm-hmm. John Boyega is amazing, mm-hmm. but I've seen him in all kinds of other Oscar British. Oscar Isaac as Poe, absolutely great. Though, yeah, even though he barely has any time to do. But when anything. he has time, but when he has time, he steals the scene for me. Um, I've never seen the woman that plays uh, Finn before, or Ray. I think that she might be relatively new. She might have been okay. in something, but I feel like she's relatively new. But she did a good job. Um, yeah. I liked her her journey from uh, – I kind of wish she <laughs> she took Han Solo up on the offer to go work on the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. Um, I feel like that would have been kind of an interesting way the story went. But I- I'm, I'm interested to see how her path to Jedi goes. Um. What did you think about Mark Hamill at the end? Was that kind of... Uh, I liked it. I did. I mean, I obviously knew it was going to come because I had been reading that they were filming in Ireland and everything. I just... Uh, I don't know. I would have been fine with him. I thought he was going to be a major part of this movie. Like, he was going to come in halfway through and it's like, yeah, Mark Hamill. Instead, it's, get the map together. Mm-hmm. Put it together. We're done. And it's like R2 and BB-8 have to come together. That was the dumbest scene to me, mm-hmm. is that R2 had to come back to life to find Luke. And it was just, eh. Yeah. Um, I ended up liking BB-8 quite a bit. I, I was R2. so happy with BB-8. I wouldn't have to see R2 ever again. Yeah. That was one thing that at certain points some of the callbacks got a little... I will say when the chessboard came out on the Millennium yeah. Falcon, was that what you were gonna say? Well, no, it was when Ray kept climbing out of like, oh, she's climbing out of an at-at, she's climbing out of a storm, uh, star destroyer. Oh, she saw something that looks like an AT-AT. Mm-hmm. Remember these things? They were in movies. Yeah, but yeah, but no, yeah, the chessboard was a bit much. The chessboard, I mean, like, really, you're gonna like reference that of all things? It was in the movie for like three seconds, and yeah. then. Poof. Or I mean, like he also references the the training ball, but he the, just throws that away. And like, okay, that's fine. Yeah, maybe they left it. Some of the things were like too much, but you know, I get the fact that you need to have some of those references. Whatever. Old fans will love them. Mm-hmm. But uh, overall, like I'm, I kind of want to see where the rest of this trilogy goes. Oh, yeah. I want to know more about those characters. I mean, even the Empire had or the First Order had great actors. Uh, what's his face? The son of um. Uh, Gleason, oh, um, Donald Gleason, yeah, he was amazing. Mm-hmm. And then you have um, obviously Captain Phasma, played by the wonderful uh, what's her face, Bernine of Tarth, yeah, Brienne of Tarth, or yeah. whatever her actual. Um, I want more of her, please. You know, I bought into the toys and stuff for Captain Phasma, thinking it would be something more than what I got. If you really you got disappoint, a boba. if you yeah, if you disappoint me by making another Boba Fett, I'm gonna be like so disappointed. Because I mean you wanna put that cool character out there. Don't I, I never even thought Boba Fett was that cool. Because like uh, I, I think we had to be there when he first appeared yeah, to really get They tried that. to make him cool with Django Fett. And, and it, like, it failed. I mean, what's Django Fett's personality besides those two guns? His jetpack yeah. with a missile. His jetpack with a missile and one good game. Um, yep, that was a, that was a really good game. That was a really good game. It was better than the the movie he was in. Yeah. Um, but I I I'm I'm hyped about Star Wars. It's nice to say that. I mean, 
I've never really this is probably my favorite Star Wars movie besides The Empire Strikes Back in that I actually cared about it like I didn't care about New Hope or Return of the Jedi uh, that much although I do think Return of the Jedi is actually a pretty funny movie because there's certain scenes that are just like besides the the Jabba the Hutt fight where like all that stuff is happening oh yeah and the, in the background kick. the fact that it ends with like little teddy bears burning bodies while they smashing dance and people s- and, and smashing like that just cracks me up every time I watch it and you know the ghost part that makes yep. me laugh um but no it's nice it's nice to care about Star Wars um side note did you see the trailer for um the new Star Trek movie that they aired right beforehand. I did, and it was kind of funny because we interviewed, uh, or we got to see Spike Jones before um, we left for break, and the trailer came out, and then the song that they used in the trailer was uh, by the Beastie Boys. Yep. Um, Sabotage. Sabotage. Yep. Which he directed the music video for. Yep. Um, apparently that one's going to bring in um, young Picard and the Next Generation crew. Oh, is it? I That's the the rumor I've heard in terms of like certain people being casted oh. is supposed to bring in the younger Ew. generation of which I don't even know how young they're skewering like if if we have like a, a children's crew I mean he's only generation. like 10 years younger than Kirk but Kirk right now is only like 20 something so mm-hmm. yeah he'd be about 13 so it's directed by the guy who made the Fast and the Furious movies Justin Lin it shows yeah. it shows in every single scene at least the one thing I can say about J.J. Abrams and the last two Star Trek movies is they look more serious, I guess. Mm-hmm. they were. I, I couldn't they even were, tell you what's going on in this one. Yeah. I couldn't, can't tell you that, like, this is going to be better. I think probably the action will be cooler. Yeah. Um, if there's one thing the Fast and the Furious movies do well, it's the action scenes. Um, I will say Idris Elba was an interesting casting choice because I didn't even see him in the movie. No. And yeah. he's supposed to be the main bad guy. I'm like, I don't. It's the guy I saw, the main bad guy? It didn't even sound like Idris Elba. Yeah. I'm hoping that they don't, like, just pull another bad guy from the movies and they just make one this time. Yeah. Instead of another con incident from the last Well, I mean, movie. this is the fringe. This is, you know, mm-hmm. unregulated territory. So hopefully it's original content. Yeah, hopefully. And if I have to see the USS Enterprise be destroyed one more time, mm-hmm. I'm going to scream. An, that's another part of those movies I don't enjoy. It's just every single movie. It can be fine. You can leave it alone. Mm-hmm. It never got blown up that much in the the show. No, it never got blown up in the show. Yeah. In the show, if we're talking about Star Trek for a second, Star Trek never even was about action. It was about diplomacy. Yeah. There is, like, specific rules about, like, acting on planets. And, I mean, like, the Prime Directive... They kind of mentioned that in the second one. Like, we're not supposed to, you know... Touch help, anything. Touch anything or help a planet out that, you know, didn't ask for it. But they do anyway. They don't care. Yeah. Because no one, no one, you know... Whenever people think about Star Trek now, they're like, oh, it's that thing in space with the, the shooty guns. And, like, if you sat someone down and made them watch, like, a Next Generation episode, they'd be bored to tears. Because it wasn't that. It was, it was ethics. It was it, debate. It was discussion. It was a lot of people on a spaceship talking, never shooting their guns or anything... And, like, occasionally the Borg would show up or Klingons would show up and then, you know, you'd have a fight. And but, even then it wasn't even that big of a fight. Yeah, it really wasn't that big of a fight. Yeah. But back to Star Wars, it, yeah, it was just nice to watch it. It was a good um, movie. It was a good movie. Um, was it like, the best movie ever, but it was a good, like... I can see why it's the number one movie of all time. I can, I, I can see and appreciate why it's the number one movie of all time. I hope it doesn't go out the same way Avatar does of just, like... 
no one remembering this. I don't think it, it's Star Wars. It has such a pedigree. True, but I feel like when the next two movies come out, they're gonna trump it. Well, next movie's probably gonna be the uh, the Return of the Empire mm-hmm. or Revenge and of the Empire. They already have a better crew working on it. Yeah, a better director and everything. So, but then they have the director of Jurassic World on Episode Nine. Oh, there's a there's a uh, petition right now. There is on... to get him removed and replaced with George Lucas. Yep, and Disney actually said that that was laughable yesterday. That's good. Yeah. Um, but what other movies did you watch over break? Anything on Netflix? Anything? Um, I watched Slow Learners on Netflix. Okay. It was um, a little college humor movie. It was an independent movie, and made by College Humor. I don't. I had a lot of college humor people on it, but I don't think it was made by College Humor. Okay. And it had like, um, he's on SNL right now. He's been on for like the past six years. He was a side character. I don't know his name. The number one most notable character in that entire movie was the dad from Transformers. He was. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not a bunch of, you know, name. It's really independent. Yeah. Okay. That being said, it was actually pretty entertaining. You know, it was a lot of, like, conversation jokes, and I was laughing. It just went on for too long. Like, it was an hour and 45-minute movie about these two teachers that are trying to become cool so they can get girlfriends and boyfriends, respectively, and, you know, get married, have a good, cool life, go out and party. And it was just, like, you knew where it was all leading mm-hmm. up to, that those two were going to get together, and that was the end. And it was just predictable from start to finish. The jokes just carried it. And it wasn't even that great of a carry. But what about you? What did you watch? Uh, well, I definitely watched a lot of, of movies over break. Oh, um, you started your Criterion collection, didn't you? I did start my Criterion collection since I got my Blu-ray. Um, I ended up, I got uh, Paris, Texas, which is a really good movie. I got Mulholland Drive, and I got Fantastic Mr. Fox. That's like the first three movies in my collection, and I'm pretty addicted to it now. So <laughs> anytime I get money now, I think it's what I'm going to be going to get myself Blu-rays. But I did end up going to see a lot of movies in theaters, too. Um, the first one I saw was The Hateful Eight. And, and you got to see that in 70mm, 70mm. Um, thankfully, my my experience there was quite good. The projectionist was – they actually brought in someone who knew how to work that machine. It wasn't just some oh, kid. that's nice. Yeah. So, I mean, if you don't know the 70mm um, – they have, like, an intermission. They have an overture. They have – you know, they give you a little booklet – um, it was a really nice experience. The movie matched that completely. Really just one of the more thoughtful and actually political movies that he's ever made, Quentin Tarantino. And surprisingly moving. I've never been like at one of his movies where I'm like, wow, that really touched, touched yeah, me. Yeah, I don't think I've ever been moved but by a... They're all good movies, but they never really had like that thing that... like They don't have emotional connection. This one had some emotional connection, and the ending especially like has stuck with me since I've seen it and it's so good and so like sad that mm-hmm. I'm like wow Quentin Tarantino you you made a really impactful thing <laughs> and like you did good yeah right now it's one of definitely one of my top Quentin Tarantino movies um I think we're going to be talking about this on Butt Mash so I'm I'm trying not to go too in depth <laughs> and do it right now but uh definitely I recommend seeing The Hateful Eight I saw <sighs> you saw The Revenant didn't uh, you? I saw The Revenant on Monday, no, I saw that on Sunday. Um, solid movie. Um, I told you I would probably gave it like a seven out of ten. Yep. Um, the opening, like two thirds of the movie, are just absolutely beautiful. Um, Inuritu, I can't pronounce the rest of his name, but he made Birdman too. Yep. He's an excellent director. Um, 
just the way he films things looks so pretty and the way he films action in this movie constantly moving there's a million moving parts and if you read up on the the production of this film it was really done this way it was out there it was these actors were cold they were wet they were muddy they were miserable a lot of them walked off set but he's like you know if we were to film it in a green screen if we were to film it you know any it other just way wouldn't be the same. it wouldn't be the same you could tell it wasn't the same and you know i'm not the biggest leonardo dicaprio fan and I feel like he did a really good job here. Do you think he deserves his award? I feel like if he deserves any award, it's for the fact that he put up with some of the things that they made him do. I feel like, you know, if an actor can jump into, like, a freezing lake and come out and deliver a scene, that's pretty commendable. I mean, even if it's not the best performance, the fact that he went that extra length proves that maybe, you know, we should just give it to him before he kills himself or something, like doing something stupid yeah. on a film set. But no, I, he did excellent. Tom Hardy is very underappreciated in this movie. He plays the bad guy, and he does an excellent job um, being just absolutely ruthless. He gives a great monologue about uh, his father finding God uh, in a squirrel he ate. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a really good part, really now messed what, up. what is The Revenant about? The I'm... Revenant, um, it's about a fur trapper who um, at the start of the movie, Leonardo DiCaprio is a fur trapper, you know, getting mm. furs for people. And uh, his crew of people get attacked by Native Americans, leaving most of them dead. So they have to, they're on a boat. They have to get from their campsite all the way back to town, which is like a 60, 70 mile trek. Right. And if they were to take the boat, they could make it, but they can't take the boat because certain things happen, story plot. And um, eventually, very quickly on, these events happen very quickly. Leonardo DiCaprio is attacked by a bear mm-hmm. in a pretty darn good scene that shows how horrible being attacked by a wild animal is. Um, and a good fight scene, too, between him and the bear. Um, so they have to <laughs> patch him up and bring him back, and he is left by his crew. Um, all alone. All alone. And he has to make his way back to get revenge against Tom Hardy's character, who, this is not a spoiler, again, this thing happens very quickly, kills his son, who is trying to help him. Oh. So Tom Hardy is trying to get away and, you know. So Tom Hardy was on the fur crew. That yeah, left. Tom Hardy was on the fur crew, and he was trying to get away. And um, the rest of the movie is just Leonardo DiCaprio's journey to get revenge. And the part if you're like me or my mother who I called right after the movie and I was like <laughs> you saw this movie too right and she's like yeah and I said did you feel the same way about this and then she's like oh yeah totally is that you your suspension of disbelief has to be out of this world I think for this movie to work it worked for me up to a point and then after that point I was like no I can't believe that this movie is happening on planet earth anymore this is where someone can be indestructible oh. and still like live on but I'm not saying that ruined the movie for me it's still beautiful I still would recommend seeing it in the theater but overall like it's it's just a good movie I gotcha just like I, I I'm not a big fan of Birdman but I, I can't, love Birdman I can't, personally I can't deny the fact that it's it's a good movie I gotcha you know um, I saw I'll do some quick ones I saw Carol thought that movie was absolutely boring um, yeah you sent me a message and it's just a bunch of Z's after Carol <sighs> Carol like okay Todd Haynes is a really good director. He makes all of his movies. He takes old, like, 1940, 1930 short stories, 
usually written by queer authors mm-hmm. and makes movies but he made um Mildred Pierce he made Oh okay um, I like Mildred Pierce. Uh, what was the other one he made? He made another one it's just famous it's he made the the Bob Dylan movie that's obviously not the same vein but he made the Bob I'm not here oh, like the okay. eight different yeah. Bob Dylans. And one of them was like Richard Gere. They're all really good. I like all of his movies but this one, you know, even though it looked really nice and I will say he captured the period quite well. Kate Blanchett and Runa Mari are just like wasted on like this boring script about uh, these two women who find each other in the 1950s and fall in love. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm getting into this movie. I'm, I'm liking where the story's going, and then it just goes nowhere. It really does. Oh, that's disappointing. It's it just it stalls with this divorce plot that she's going through with her husband, and the husband wants to take the kid away and. There's so many things you could have done to make it interesting, but it just wasn't. Um, then you saw the room. The, well, then not I saw room. Okay, that's right. Room, not the yeah, room. Yeah, they intent. It was going to be called the room, but Tommy was so yeah ruined. That. It's called room. Um, I won't go too in depth in this movie because I absolutely loved it, and it probably would have been my second favorite movie of the year if I would have watched it when we did our countdown. Mm-hmm. But. The basic plot is if you know what happened to the women in Ohio who were trapped in someone's basement for oh, years yeah. of their lives. This m- movie follows um, Brie Larson, who I feel like gave the best performance of the year in this movie, trying to raise her son in this environment without you know, that kid realizing what kind of, of hell they're living in. Oh. And, you know, it sounds incredibly dark. But it's not. It's really the kid is such a good kid actor. For he's he's only five. Wow. Yeah, five in the movie, and I believe he's only like eight in real life. Just an excellent kid actor, and it's kind of a strange movie because you don't think about. Um, have you ever seen the movie Dogtooth? Or know what that movie's about? No, I haven't. Okay, it's a movie about um, these parents who decide that they're going to raise their kids wrong so they tell their kids like cat a cat is called an airplane like this that's that's an airplane okay or they tell them that like air is poison they can't leave the house Uh uh-huh and they believe it because obviously like kids believe their parents right so like in room she has to teach this this boy like you know this room is our entirety and like they have like a a a sunroof and Mm -hmm. she's like that's space and she's like anything you see on tv because they have a tv that's that's two dimensional. That's not real. This is the world, and like so he they, doesn't try and get out. Yeah, so he doesn't try to get out. He doesn't realize what he's missing. So when they do eventually get out, you you get the these scenes where like she has to describe what a pancake is, and like you know you think that's that's so simple. Like it's it's a pancake, but but it's when he's taught not, that was a two dimensional thing that didn't yeah, exist, it doesn't exist. He doesn't think people exist. He thinks dogs are you know monsters. How do you how do you raise a kid like that? So, that was a definitely a surprise for me. It was probably one of the best best movies I saw this year. Best performances by far. William H Macy was the worst part of that movie. Really, he was in it for two scenes, and I don't know why he was there. What does he play? He or? plays the father to um, the girl trapped. Oh. Um, but he's in it for two scenes, and he's just like he, it's phoned in, or he phones it in, and like. I don't know why he was there. I really don't. Um, it could. Uh, why cast William H Macy to do that? That was the thing that got me. I was like, why is he here? 
Like he doesn't belong. He doesn't really belong here. But that was like the one misnote of that movie. I really liked it, and I really liked um, Anomalisa. Ah, yes, the stop yeah. motion uh, animated. I really like that one too. Um, probably has the saddest version of "Girls Just Want to Have Fun" ever recorded. I remember you telling me that ever recorded. Um, <laughs> I don't think that there ever will be a sadder version of that song. And now that song completely has a different context to me, <laughs> and it's like. That song is played multiple times throughout the the movie. Mm-hmm. It's sung. It's you hear it. Um, there's even a part where a character sings it in in Italian, and it's very sad, like opera style. And like, and it's just girls just want to have fun. It's just girls just want to have fun, and uh, just a really interesting movie. The puppetry was absolutely beautiful. Um, if you get a chance to go see that one, that was another one that I would say go see it in the theaters. But, um, yeah, that's all the movies I saw. I um, gotcha. Well, it's about time we wrapped up, actually. So, yeah. uh, you know. Recommendations? Um, yeah. I guess in lieu of uh, David Bowie's passing on this week, I guess I will recommend Labyrinth. Uh, classic. A classic movie. Um, good puppetry. Um, David Bowie's, that's probably David Bowie's best movie. Yep. Uh, I would not recommend seeing The Man Who Sold the World. That movie's awful. I don't think I ever saw it actually. Uh, there, the, I don't think there's one scene in that movie that makes sense. I, it's, I think it's actually filmed to be multiple different like sh- scenes, just to, oh, with David okay. Bowie's just there. This is the this is the David Bowie movie you should see. He's a good actor. It's um, a solid film. It's a solid movie. It's a good kids movie. Like it's one of those like movies that would scare your kids, but like in a good way. It's a Jim Henson. Yeah, I it's mean... a Jim Henson movie, and you know, you can you can. Uh, remember David Bowie in the best way by watching uh, Labyrinth. So what would you recommend? Honestly, I watched it over uh, Winter Break again. I know you hate it, but I'm going to recommend Nine and a Half. Nine and a Half? Nine and a Half. Still one of my favorites. Um, Italian film. Talks about a Italian film director, you know, fighting with his past, his, you know, current life, you know, his mistress, his wife, trying to get this film together when really he just wants to, you know, <laughs> sit in a pool and smoke all day. Mm-hmm. And just hates his life. I love it personally. I love those. Stories. I like the movie Nine. I, nine was a good movie. Nine was a good movie, um, and I liked Eight and a Half, which was Eight and a Half. The movie that that's, that that one's inspired by. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Nine. To me, the music was really bad. Okay, yeah, I can respect that. The music is not that good. Yeah. But uh, anyway, that is our half-season premiere, our mid-season premiere. Yes. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Stick around. Later, guys. See ya.